gonna make it real funky for you. Funky for you. Funky for you. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter Podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Piper Carter Podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter. All right, so we are back again. For more episode for the Piper Carter podcast, in full effect with a soldier, she has on the military fatigue hat, feeling real, real in the stew, as the young people say, <laughs> in the stew, in the studio. All right, man. With with Piper Carter, Monica Lewis Patrick in full effect, and we're drinking some water, and we're gonna talk <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot about some water, uh, <laughs> Detroit, that is. The, the best place to get any water. And we're going to talk about the crises that are going on with it. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about some pillars. We're going to talk about organization, systems, nation building. That's right. All the good stuff that we love. Mm-hmm. If you connect it to Piper Carter. Mm-hmm. So Piper Carter, episode four. Yeah. We, we are back at it again. Okay. So I want to thank you for that, Kari. Um... So I want to bring my sister into uh, into the room really quickly. Um, like Kari said, Monica Lewis Patrick, we the people of Detroit, water warrior, um, activist, soldier, um, advocate, um, what a politician, uh, youth leader, um, mm-hmm. just so many things, mentor, um, guide. And, uh, you know, I want to I want to introduce her. I wanted um, her to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself. And then uh, right after that, though, I wanted to um, ask you a couple of questions. Is that cool? That's cool. OK, so tell me first. Tell us who is Monica Lewis Patrick? Who, who is Monica Lewis Patrick? Mm-hmm. I consider myself a, I'm a daughter. I'm a mom, a sister, a friend. Uh, a lover of humanity, uh, a spiritual person, uh, definitely having a, a phenomenal experience in terms of just living life and trying to exercise as much of my power uh, mm-hmm. while I'm on this side. Mm-hmm. You're so modest. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whirlwind right here, Kari. She's a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah she is. So um, tell us about um tell it now now tell us about We the People of Detroit. Oh my goodness. Now, now just give us at this point what is We the People of Detroit and we'll get into the what you do in a minute. Well, We the People of Detroit is an organization that was founded in 2009 uh, to respond to mayoral control just taking over public education in the city. And for us what was critical is that uh None of us knew each other except for Deborah Taylor and I. Uh, and then, of course, Chris Griffith and uh, Cecily McClellan knew each other. But we just showed up as mothers and aunts and grandmothers and uncles and fathers uh, fighting for our children's rights. And over five weeks of activity, we were successful in, in beating back that policy. Mm. Little did we know that we were on a course of seeing our city taken over in terms of the charter being carved up and, and basically diluted in terms of its power. Uh, we also were very quickly on 
this pace of emergency management. Mm. And so we jumped in that fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and then 2014, our work began to evolve around water after, of course, what you know is uh, what I consider the Rosa Parks of the water struggle. Charity Hicks mm. was arrested. Rest for in power. Oh, my God. Uh, and still her power reigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Charity just was wanting to make sure her neighbors knew that they were an imminent threat of having their water shut off and her arrest. Uh, really should send shockwaves through our community, but specifically to We the People as all black women-led organization. What it said to us is that we had to take charge mm-hmm. of not only uh, the policies that were being written, but actually our own physical safety mm-hmm. and our own assurances that we could a- have access to water. Mm. So um, I guess I want to talk about Tell us just briefly so people understand um, really practically what are the things that We the People does. We the People, we do several things. We have one of the things we're very proud of is about four years ago, we started what is known as We the Youth of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And We the Youth of Detroit is an organi- uh, is a component and program where our young people are learning social justice practices Mm -hmm. they're also learning the history of the social justice movement specifically in the city of detroit uh Mm -hmm. they have mentors that they're exposed to throughout the summer process and we actually stipend our young people because what we find is a lot of times in other communities uh young people do this work community work and they are they're actually renumerated for it Mm -hmm. but in our community we want young people to do all of these things for free Mm -hmm. at the same time while they're dealing with all of these oppressive Mm -hmm. kinds of conditions and then what we found is that young people are very capable of leading themselves when they're given the right tools Mm -hmm. and so they've been really teaching us in terms of what they need to be able to develop fully into their power as leaders Mm -hmm. because what we say at we the people they're not the leaders of the future Mm -hmm. they're the leaders of right now right and so we want to definitely cultivate that we want to support it we want to nurture it Mm -hmm. and we never want to be a hindrance to their development and then we have a research uh, uh, component it's called community research collective Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We the people of Detroit, everything produced at that table is owned and controlled by we the people of Detroit. We mm-hmm. hold it in proxy mm-hmm. for the community. It's been used for legislation. It's been used for policy development. It's been used as part of health impact studies. It was used in Flint as part of the, the work around the uh, Michigan Human Rights Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's been a powerful tool to convene all of these academics and to create tools and information and research and reports that that will aid the activists in terms of our positions and our arguments and our advocacy. And then we have another component where uh, our work, and this has been the biggest driver of the last four years, is water delivery. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Waterworks. And we have people that go out and deliver water. They're called water droppers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have water stations about the city where if persons are in emergency need of water, Mm -hmm. should your water already be disconnected or cut off, you can call the Water Rights Hotline. And that number is 1-844-42-WATER, 1-844-42-WATER. The director for that program is Cecily McClellan. And what happens there is that you call the hotline, a person will intake your information, and then you will be directed in terms of the assistance that you would need. Um, Cecily or someone there is able to guide you in terms of whether there are funds and assistance available that you would be able to qualify for, or if you're just in imminent threat of not being able to afford your water, then we have people that we've been delivering water to for almost three years. Wow. So um, thank you for that. So um, 
Now, one thing you talked about or you talk about a lot is people do not understand that Detroit has a water crisis. Right. Can you. So in settings that I've been in, this is true. And people say, oh, I didn't know Detroit has a water crisis. Can you let people understand what Detroit's water crisis is? Because many times they confuse it with Flint's water crisis. And now we also have Highland Park's water crisis. Could you let us know, like, let us know about what those are so people can really understand? Well, we have multiple water crises in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have in Flint, we have a water quality crisis. But now because of the water quality issue, and Flint ha- is on the hook for paying for the building of a system that was never intended to provide them water relief. Now they're also driven in deeper debt. So now they have a water affordability issue, mm. which means that the cost of their water is more than what you should be paying for water. Mm. So in Detroit, for example, Detroiters pay a large portion of Detroiters pay over 10 percent of their income just for water. Mm. Can and you so on a national level? How, mm-hmm. what, what's like a national average percentage wise that people National pay? average is somewhere around $78 nationally. Okay. Uh, in Detroit, we are, and based on our, our, our poverty. $78 annually or no, $78 this is, this is month. per month. Okay. And then what we see is that you have <coughs> suburbs uh, that surround Detroit where a person may be paying 30 or $60 uh, every two to three months. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what is happening is that the citizens of Detroit are actually subsidizing the suburbs. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you look at just the history of the water department, in 1955, the water department's director at that time refused to move forward with building out the water system to the suburbs mm-hmm. because he said in 1955, if Detroit was forced to continue to build this system, we would drive ourselves into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So the state knew that this would lend yeah. itself financially to insolvency. Right. But the state of Michigan mandated the city of Detroit to build out this infrastructure because we were the only city with the bonding capacity to mm. do so. Yeah. But but the state leveraged its, pa- its power as the parent over mm. the city of Detroit. And then uh, one thing I always bring up anytime this is discussed, I, I, I've been uh, a homeowner for to be so young i've been a homeowner for over 15 years Mm -hmm. so in this 15 years i used to be billed quarterly Mm -hmm. for water Mm. um and i want to say like around 2006 2007 Mm -hmm. it went from being billed quarterly to monthly Mm. and when i was billed quarterly it would be maybe about a hundred dollars maybe 120 dollars a month something Mm. like that Mm -hmm. now uh, or per quarter right so now i'm paying sometimes what i used to pay in a quarter per month. per month right all in the span of like this infrastructure was billed quarterly for god knows how long i mean i i know like i say for about seven years at least i was always billed water quarterly right then it switched over to monthly billing and i know the rates just continue skyrocketed to go higher right. and higher and higher and higher Mm-hmm. You know, with a very old infrastructure, right? A, a very limited workforce to actually fix these lines. I know the sewer systems in Detroit are some of the oldest sewer systems in America. Yeah, some of them are still uh, wooden logs. Yes. Wow. Right. And but you've got two things that happen if you look at that time frame you just shared. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2005, the Koch brothers uh, actually, Boo. actually, yeah, 
actually convened a meeting in Charleston, South Carolina, with municipal leaders from all across the country, mm -hmm. both uh, Democrats and Republicans. Mm -hmm. wow. And what they shared with them is that uh, the only utility that had gone untapped in terms of increases was water. Oh. So they and were so like, what this is how we're going to get some dough. Yeah, so what these utilities were given, mm -hmm. they were given a template in terms of how to usher in the policy of rate increases. Wow. And they were advised as to where they could leverage this to fill in their budgetary coffers. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and what they did, what was even interesting, they actually even negotiated and showed in the minutes where they chose to give each person $200 as a stipend as opposed to $500 mm -hmm. because they didn't mm -hmm. want it to be perceived that they were buying their influence. Wow. So when you say municipal leaders, uh, this was around the, I know this was during the Kilpatrick administration. Uh, did members of the Kilpatrick administration, and then also this is a very personal political city mm -hmm, when right. this is a very mayoral run town but right. even more so than a mayoral run town some of these same people that have been in office i mean dating back to the 70s yeah, oh, yeah. during the kind of young era judge Fikins, you can't leave out of that mix judge mm -hmm. Fikins, really for all intents and purposes was the first emergency manager mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. judge Fikins used his federal judiciary powers to really overreach and dictate mm. contracts as it relates to the water department. Mm -hmm. He made sure that they were guided out to the suburbs, wow. which built their, not only their financial power, but built their political power. Well, you're definitely speaking to uh, articles from uh, where I remember you most. The Michigan Citizen covered this very closely. Uh, but Judge Fikens, can you give a little bit of a backstory? Because one of the toughest things is I just came from... Um, D.C. not too long ago and the museum, the Smithsonian Museum on African-American history. And it's I think everyone black should go. But one of the things that did disturb me was, you know, it would be so many impeccable facts about everything black in there. But every time it would be a Ku Klux Klansman, <laughs> you know, it just say Klan member. You know, hmm. so can we get a little bit of the background? Because that's what I think also needs to start being exposed. Oh, what's definitely. Judge Fikens' background? Where where did he come from? What did his parents? And I, you may not know all this, but right. what where is the wealth from his parents? What did his brothers do? What did his uncles do? Did did one of mm -hmm. his uh, did his daughter's husband get a contract from one of these companies? Right. You know, we need to really that's dig right. deep and start yeah. exposing that's mm -hmm. right. these relationships, the financial right. relationships, and, well, and the yeah. and the nepotism mm -hmm. that goes on. On for the way that poverty right. yes. has supported yes. rich people yeah. in our nation. I yeah. can give you the best one uh, right here in Michigan that's active right now is the DeVosses. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look mm -hmm. at the DeVosses and the role that they played in privatizing public education. And Betsy it, DeVos, yeah, uh, Betsy as DeVos. we know that yeah. uh, Betsy DeVos right now is yep. the uh, Secretary of, Secretary Secretary of Education, Education her, on a her, federal level. Her husband, uh, Dick DeVos, mm -hmm. uh, is owner of the Orlando Magic. I remember they drafted and her brother-in-law, <laughs> her brother-in-law Charles DeVos, uh -huh. heads up Veolia. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! You Viol- got to tell people what Veolia is. Veolia is the international. I you were just gonna say those horrible Amway products. <laughs> <laughs> trying to give you the well, yeah, well, <laughs> Veolia actually is one of the worst water management companies in the world. They're actually a French company that used to manage the the water systems for France, and France booted them out because uh-huh. of their bad practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, why in the world would Governor Snyder actually go seek them out? to right. advise him in terms of managing uh, Flint into poison water and mm-hmm. Detroit into privatizing its internal operations and actually shutting water off. And where else is, was Veolia responsible well, for Veolia, destroying water? Veolia has been in Baltimore. Veolia has been in Palestine. Veolia is a part of the privatization of transportation at public airlines. Mm-hmm. Veolia is a part of the advisement around the M1 rail. Mm. Uh, you also can't leave out the fact Jones Day the very legal arm that was able to actually not only defend, they hired Kevin Mm -hmm. Orr, who was a former and now is now a current employee of Jones Day. Mm -hmm. He's actually, uh, he's actually a, a, a partner now. He was Mm -hmm. able to get his own firm set up with Jones Day franchised in Florida. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Kevin Orr worked with Jones Day. Jones Day is the legal arm of the free press and the news for Mm. Detroit. Mm. So we we wonder why we can't get our message out. Right. Might have a problem there. The same banks that that benefit. Wait, wait. We can can stop there for a second. (laughs) Such a a conflict of interest that the law firm that that took over uh, the management. Right. um, Which... Which the reasoning behind the whole idea of bringing in this group was under the idea and the guise. Like, I mean, we're going a lot of levels like you got to pull up your Michigan citizens. That's right. Uh, But um, the reasoning behind bringing in Jones Day was because the city, quote unquote, could not go into bankruptcy. And the only solution that this group had after millions of dollars into a a already... uh, a city that's labeled as uh, bankrupt mm-hmm. was to go to bankruptcy right. without the money owed from the state that's been owed to the state mm-hmm. because the revenue sharing that's owed to the city of Detroit has never been given. That's it right. it uh, mm-hmm. immediately stopped being given the minute that uh, the good brother Dennis Archer Sr. Right. took office. Right. You know, and this is also one of the reasons why Dennis Archer Jr. Mm, right. Is a part of a lot of these other things. Like I say, we have to really That's start right. spider webbing this stuff together, oh, yeah, for so sure. that you can understand that these relationships, mm-hmm. when you're downtown, yeah, you know, enjoying how they work. Uh, your, I guess, uh, your, your, you know, and uh, everybody, like, you know what I'm your saying. Frappe. You got your food truck, <laughs> yeah, your food truck, your drought waters, your and, and You're wondering how. How all of this stuff happens and why all these cranes are happening downtown mm-hmm. is humming on the backs of a lot of uh, people that yeah. have been impoverished as uh, as rules that were set in place with the visions of Coleman Young gets a lot of credit, but not just Coleman Young. Irma That's Henderson. Right. That's right. Um, Marianne Mahaffey. Marianne mm-hmm. Mahaffey. Uh, uh, Judge can, Claudia Morcom. I mean, yeah. you, you have... Whew, well, finish telling us about the, the yeah. banks. You were saying the banks. Well, there's an article, if you really want to dig deeper into this thing, called mm-hmm. the Water Banker Barons. Okay. And in that article, what it talks about is that many of the banks that were protected during the bankruptcy, because bankruptcy is supposed to protect 
the municipality. Right. So it should have protected uh, Belal. It should have mm-hmm. protected uh, our water system. It should have protected land. Anything that's public. Anything public. The mm-hmm. bridge, uh, the tunnel. All of these things were assets that Detroiters actually invested and paid for. Mm-hmm. And so when those things. And lost. And lost. And, and even the things they claim we still own, we only own them in name and we own the debt. Right. But we have no control. Right. And so uh, one of the things that happened is that the they intentionally left the water debt out of the bankruptcy, even though they made it part of the debt that was declared to push us into bankruptcy. Mm. So a large portion of our debt was directly connected to the water department's debt, which was legacy debt. And mm. that debt wasn't debt that was due in that one day. It was due over the course of time. Right. It also was deeply connected to the pensions because m- many of the pensioners, pensioners understanding the value of the water system had invested their pensions in the water system. And mm-hmm. so the connection between Detroit and Flint was this. Flint was the largest external customer to the DWSD system. Mm. So by advising Flint that it could not continue to be a customer to Detroit actually was a weakening to a ploy mm. to make Detroit's water system insolvent in terms of rate payers. Wow. And then you have compiled on top of that while they were telling Flint that they couldn't negotiate with Detroit. Right. Flint ended up being forced into a decision to actually take on the debt for building out a the KWA, the Karagandi Water Authority, mm. which is a pipeline that never was supposed to provi- provide portable water. It provides raw water that once the oh, governor once crap. the governor is out of office, we understand that he and Richard Baird and several of their cronies are going to build a fracking business parallel to the oh Karagandi Water God. Authority. But in the meantime, the debt still rests with Flint. So right. Flint was forced into a negotiating a contract with the Great Lakes Water Authority, God. which is a management uh, right. entity authority over Detroit's water. So we're actually renting mm-hmm. water from our own system and paying for that. How yeah. does um, Snyder and, and Nestle fit into that? Well, they fit in in layers of ways. Nestle is one of the biggest extractors of water in the world. 85% of the bottled water that is consumed in the U.S. comes out of the Great Lakes. Mm. Nestle has now been given a permit that will allow them to extract over 400 million gallons a minute out of the Great Lakes. So imagine they are paying $200 a year. Mm-mm. For a licensing fee what? to the state of Michigan, while the average uh, person in Flint is paying upwards of two fifty to three hundred dollars a month wow. for water they can't drink, and if they don't pay it, you only have three days to live in a house in the state of Michigan without running water before you're in imminent danger of losing custody of your children. Wait, can you speak to that again and let people know because I've been telling people that. If they have their water cut off and that, what was it, $150 or... or If you owe more than $150 or more than 30 days behind on your bill, your water can immediately be turned off. Mr. Brown has now put a notice on your water bill. It's in red that says that this bill is your notice now. Mm. So they no longer are even intending to put a hanger. So if you're looking for that old method of a hanger on your door, you may or may not get one. But they're using that notice on your bill Mm. as a notification that will allow them to cut your water off. And if your water is cut off. We've For had more than three days, they'll take your kids. They call CPS and take your kids. Mama Myr- Myrtle's water was cut off for seven cents. 
seven cents. So this is not about the fact that Detroiters uh, are not paying their bills. Detroiters are paying more than their bills. Our bills have gone up over 126% over the last 10 years. Over the last 20 years, it's gone up over 400%. We're actually providing water to 125 municipalities and townships. Mm. 3.8 million Michiganders drink from the well of the city of Detroit. While systematically you have the, the present administration, Mike Duggan and Gary Brown, systematically cutting off water. And they're doing it in a methodical way to push people out of particular communities where they then want to come in and either clear those communities out and take those homes offline or then commandeer and gentrify those particular particular communities for wealthier, whiter, younger populations. I, I think wow. uh, another thing that needs to be brought to attention, and I got one of those water bills the other day, is um, is my thought process is the, the, the equipment. We're paying more and no, and no other work is being done to advance the sewer systems. Mm. Water main breaks are still very prevalent. Very prevalent. Yes. Uh, in the, in the winter time, in certain streets, I just say to myself, the other I'm day. not going to drive down. Yeah, the other day, it's a, uh, it's a it's rain over like everything's a, a, flooded. A, a yeah. Yes. So the system itself, we're paying more. Right. For a less than system. Mm -hmm. uh, I but would you're say paying that the these, debt. these you're paying I, the debt. I, I know that, and, mm -hmm. and, and and this is the tragedy of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Even more so. Right. These things that say that actual readings, I don't believe it at all because the the limited I would I would be surprised if they have probably 15 water readers. I know they say that they have the digital uh, the, smart the, the scanner. Smart but meters. so they they've I don't believe that these smart meters exist. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing, but I, I'm being real yeah, no, serious I'm right here. That's especially, why I'm laughing. Especially in the black community. Right. BTE had to, you know, because I wasn't going to let them come in my house. They oh, had to wait. shut my gas off for to put my meter outside. Right. But the water... Yeah, I I mean, black people aren't. Uh, we're not letting people in our house to, to put some new digital but, device. So, Monica, got, tell us about DTE and the other huge companies that owe money that are not paying their bills. Red Wing Stadium and is a classic. One. That they're coming after Grandma. Uh, Joe Lewis Arena. Oh yeah, yes. you got Joe Lewis eighty thousand. You got the uh, the golf course, City Golf Course, over four hundred twenty thousand. You've got Ford Field fifty five thousand. Uh, you've got the the state of Michigan just on the state fairgrounds alone was five million, and then Dexter Elmhurst was two million, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I mean that that's the short list. Mm. Uh, and many of those uh, entities were allowed to renegotiate their debt during the bankruptcy, and mm -hmm. use bankruptcy as a way to clear their debt. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then of course Gary Brown uses the excuse that much of that debt was connected to stormwater drainage, but. It's still a cost. Mm -hmm. and, and you know what? We, we also need to just always bring up the point when we talk about Gary Brown, a former councilman that sued the city mm. uh, That's and right. said that it was just about his rights and then turned around and said he's going to fight for, for justice of people. We need to mm. definitely always have prevalent in our mind that Gary Brown will stand up and say that the city of Detroit doesn't have much money, but he also did sue the city. Mm hmm. For one of the most felonious things ever. And if it was about principle, you just sue for a dollar and you win on principle. Right. So uh, shout well, out to Gary Brown for uh, once again <laughs> getting over yeah. and not, not having, having minimal, left, minimal <laughs> ethics. Minimal ethics. 
Well, and the thing, too, we always have to be mindful about Mr. Brown is that he is a former police officer. Mm -hmm. And to run the Detroit Water and Sewage Department, you, uh, according to our charter, you were supposed to be an engineer or an attorney or both. Wow. And so we always find it very interesting and and, uh, concerning Mm -hmm. that Mr. Brown has no expertise whatsoever in water management, water systems, chemistry, biology, botany, Mm -hmm. physics. (laughs) And he is running the largest system uh, in the state yes. of, in the world, really, when you look at mm-hmm. uh, industrialized countries and then looking at the fact that Gary Brown is very comfortable continuing to tell the people of Detroit that they shouldn't be concerned about the largest public health epidemic in, in American history as it relates to hepatitis A. Can you speak mm-hmm. about this epidemic? Well, hepatitis A we know is fecal matter. And basically, uh, according to, uh, if you look at any major uh, medical outlet, what they will tell you is it's usually ingested, and a lot of times they find it uh, highly prevalent among persons that either are uh, same-sex partners and just not taking care of themselves properly, or persons that are intravenous drug users, or people that don't have access to proper water and sanitation. Can you you speak to the... Uh, can you speak to the not having access to the proper water and sanitation and how Detroit has an epidemic? Because I've been I've been telling people about this and people don't believe it. Well, they don't believe it because they're not hearing it anywhere. OK, uh, if you look at it, 2015, we, the people of Detroit, started meeting with Global Health Initiative and Henry Ford Health Systems to just raise the question, are you monitoring the fact that there is an uptick in cholera, listeria, shiganella, many of these waterborne diseases? And and it was just a slight uptick. And they said, no, we're not really paying that too much attention. And so then we started meeting on a regular basis with, with Alex Plum, who heads up Global Health Initiative. And he said, I'm concerned because shutting off water, even if there's not an issue right now mm-hmm. is going to lead to an issue. And wait, wait, Alex Plum from from Global Health Initiative at from, Henry Ford okay. Health Systems, mm-hmm. and he had been a mentee of Peter Hammer. Okay, and mm-hmm. so Peter came to us and said, "Why don't we just sit down and see if the science will bear us out? Okay, that there is an an, an issue here that we need to monitor, and maybe science will convince the policymakers mm-hmm. to shift." Mm-hmm. And so, in 2015, we started our work around just getting FOIAs to get the information on water shutoffs. Mm. We had to sue our own municipality eight times to even get a third of what the data is. Mm. And so we're still, we're working on our ninth for you now because each time Mr. Mm. Brown and the water department and the law department continue to didact information, mm. which then means that our researchers have to mesh together data in order to make it make and, sense. And let me, um, and let me Freedom of Information Act. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, so yes. that's the FOIA and didacted information, as many people have seen, uh, the the great <laughs> horrible memo where Governor Snyder basically <laughs> approved to um, to poison the people of Flint and be be a murderer himself. And you see like a lot of that's the right. black lines through things. So mm-hmm. didacted information, it, uh, that's the black line. So right. meaning that you're paying probably premium staff, people making six figures, as we call them, good commas, <laughs> <laughs> to sit and go through any incriminating information that mm-hmm. put right. black lines through it Yeah, under the guise of this is information that would uh, be Harmful like, to harmful to yeah. others. So that is didacted information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah, and so um, I know. Let me see. I think last year in 2017 was the first time that I had actually 
seen in print Mm -hmm. anywhere that Detroit has an epidemic? Well, what happened is uh, we were able to collaborate with the Detroit Equity Action Lab mm-hmm. and just, I mean, of whoop course, whoop. you're a fellow, so you yep. know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we called it Deal 2, yep. uh, came together and just uh, w- under consensus that water was the most pressing issue that we mm-hmm. had. Yeah. And we felt like we could at least collectively put our energy into putting a push behind it. Yeah. And so it was a lot of activity that happened on many fronts, but mm-hmm. I think the health impact study, and we brought in doctors from all over the country yeah. because we could not find a doctor in Michigan that would say that shutting off water could potentially lead to a health epidemic. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Could not find one. And, wow. and of course, Linda Campbell, that's a part of Detroit People's Platform, had communicated with many of the universities in Michigan, mm-hmm. the health directors all across mm-hmm. the state. Uh, she had called out to schools of public health to say, will you at mm-hmm. least stand against this? Schools of nursing. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't get anyone that would stand with us outside of the Wayne County health director. And then he huh. was immediately silenced Whoa. Uh, by the exe- uh, county executor. Whoa. Okay, That's now um, <coughs> I also have this question just from, I remember this <laughs> field trip as a child to the water <laughs> treatment plant. Uh-huh. Doesn't, uh, Where is that? I'm that's correct. on Connor. No, that's Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And what? What is I, that? I, Jefferson I, and. Uh, like, what is that? Dickerson or something like no no it's further mm-hmm. up that's go light oh, okay I think that, yeah you're talking it's about in the city though just yes. so people oh, yeah. know yeah. our treatment it's plan is actually in our city now yeah. now it, if I'm correct isn't it uh, I thought it was waste that actually like the, we have a system one of the world's first systems that uses waste to actually clean the water so is the hepatitis A something to do with the system that system not working because I, I'm a tap water guy. Often, so like, <laughs> is it is it a, to make a sure system, he's or is it more so that when things are off, because water is supposed to be flowing? Any right. homeowner knows this, especially in Detroit. You know, right. your pipes may burst, or all right. types of problems happen to a house yep. when water goes off, mm-hmm. and then it comes back on. Right. Yeah. This is what we're trying to get to the bottom of because what we're finding there are multiple issues. Okay. Uh, last year, what we did, we completed a project with Michigan State University to test water quality. Okay. That was one question that Detroiters had. Mm-hmm. So we were able to, to galvanize about $60,000 to do a pilot project mm. of water testing. Uh, the second piece that we looked at is water shutoffs and health impacts. Mm-hmm. And so what we were able to do is partner with uh, some of our researchers from UC Berkeley. And mm-hmm. one came in by the name of Nadia Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And she did two projects, one looking at the psychosocial impacts of water shutoffs, just the fear that you won't have water, mm. just the devastation that it does to a family, mm. a young mother, uh, that she won't have enough water to make a, ba- a baby bottle. Wow. And so we did an assessment of that. But then we also looked and did a we took the CDC which is the Center for Disease Control. Mm-hmm. They have a model of, of research to look at uh, a natural disasters impact. Well, what we did is we adjusted that with Nadia's help to look at the natural, the impacts of a man-made disaster, such as water shutoffs. Mm-hmm. So what it allowed us to do is to look at 36 uh, city blocks, every seventh household, to 
be able to garner at least a statistically sound assessment. Mm -hmm. And out of that assessment, this is where we drew the conclusion that we needed to then go to Henry Ford and partner at a deeper level to be able to actually see if the diseases, because people, when we went door to door, were just saying, I've been sick for so many years. We haven't had water for three years. We haven't had water for two years. So we were just making the notations. But then when we wanted to take a deeper dive, what we found is that many of the places like the health department for the city of Detroit, you can't access data like you used to. Hmm. Because many of these entities have been privatized or under some kind of form of privatization. Mm. Uh, The Department of Human Services, where people used to be able to get water relief and assistance, Mm -hmm. no longer is managing that Mm -hmm. service. So we couldn't get statistical data to even do a comparative study. Mm -hmm. And so it was only through door to door and word of mouth were we able to hear about people's children. Which made the study take longer and cost more money and expand everything. And we didn't have money, so we had to leverage manpower. And that's what we had. and you have a lot of manpower and woman power. Oh, the community has uh, amazing capacity mm-hmm. and our community has always responded when we've called them. Now, mm-hmm. Also, I guess, you know, these questions just run, especially like a black like mine. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just not only uh, do I have the question about knowing that these systems are so old. Mm-hmm. But what does it mean as these systems are so old as uh, even most home buyers always say, like, if that sewer line doesn't cut all the way to the street, then it's a problem. But if if we have abandoned house or houses, you know, right. they, they just tore down the house across behind me. And I don't know, you know, I mean, these contractors, I don't know what they're doing to naturally right. set off the water. If they're following the processes of what they're supposed to do. Right. I definitely know if I start digging in the ground, I'm pretty sure I may run into something but um does that even have an impact like if i live on Mm -hmm. a you know because these systems were built for you know every house with to be occupied yeah yeah and now i'm getting water that probably would have come five houses right Mm -hmm. now it's coming to me Five houses down the street. Through that other house, maybe. Well, that's what we're looking at (laughs) is that the study that we looked at with Michigan State looked at stagnation because Mm -hmm. Detroit's system is really a system that's created... Uh, the flow is created by gravity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you have massive am- amounts of city blocks shut off mm-hmm. from water access or water just standing stagnant in the oh, pipes, then this is where we believe the, the driving of the mm-hmm. the public health issues and also mm-hmm. other diseases and contamination, bacteria, mm-hmm. pa- other pathogens. And so this is our concern. We don't have anyone sitting in a seat of power and influence that is advocating for the best interests of the citizens of Detroit. Mm-hmm. The decisions they're making is about privatizing the sy- system for the benefit of the suburban customers. Right. You had Dave Bing actually leverage his power to shift power, majority power over the system to the suburbs. Right. Well, we got to also point out, as you bring up Dave Bing, Mayor Dave Bing, yep. like Mayor Duggan. Yep. That's right lived in the suburbs until it was time for him to be mayor. So right. we need to also point out That's that right. they're suburban people. Right. That's right. You know? That's right. With That's suburban right. interests, but 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 well, I mean, obviously they mm-hmm. live. There. Oh, I mean, definitely. Right. And, I mean, Dave Bing's wife said, "I'm not moving to Detroit until he wins." Let, let's be clear about that. Okay. Well, well, and people also have to be clear that the sitting mayor doesn't really stay in the city. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't Uh-oh. even know that information. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh oh. You know. Mm. Okay. And, and then you have it's him actually actually pushing right now for uh, Butch Hollowell to run against Mayor I- uh, uh, President Ivy. To head up WC3. 
Mm. So, so anybody, you know, there, there are conspiracy and there are facts. Mm -hmm. And what I say is a fact is that the city has been hijacked. Yep. And it is being ruled in a way uh, that is lending all of the power and assets of the city to the oligarchs and the bourgeoisie. Yep. And those of us that are in our righteous mind better use all of our power to take all of our power back. Okay. Mm. So, um, in in the vein of using power, mm -hmm. um, can you talk about um, the importance of media in in what you do? The importance of media in what we the people is, is doing and has been doing. Media is huge, and as both of you know, as people that are in the in the media making business, mm -hmm. uh, I did not truly appreciate the reach and the breadth and depth of media mm -hmm. until the water crisis in 2014. Mm -hmm. uh, and really the person that helped sort of educate me very quickly was Tawana Petty. Hey, uh, shouts out to Tawana yeah, Petty. Honeycomb. Honeycomb. Honeycomb was instrumental in really taking over and managing all of our media operations, if you will, because mm -hmm. we were too busy getting water out. Okay. I mean, we could not take the calls to talk to the media. Mm -hmm. And so she said to us, she set us down and said, this is an opportunity for us to really counter this master narrative that the reason water is being shut off is because of failed black leadership. Oh, wait, please just what I know. Just uh, please speak to that. Please yeah. speak to that. <laughs> I'm so sick of that narrative. Yeah, the failed black leadership and people not wanting to pay their fair share. And so what Tawana helped us do is to, to use the, these opportunities to counter that narrative. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times what we would speak to is beloved Detroit. Right. This Detroit that is providing water to each other outside of this formal system by this informal system of water hoses running house to house. Mm -hmm. uh, this Detroit that is delivering, you know, water to their neighbors that are sick and shut in. Mm -hmm. uh, I talk about the Detroit where the building down the street here, uh, the whole unit was shut down. And you had brothers that were walking those flights of stairs every day for me for two wow. weeks to take water to sick and shut in folks that Thank could not you. get down. And uh, mm -hmm. a lot of times these are the same brothers that many of those elders were calling the police on because their music was too loud or right. they were in the neighborhood. Get off my lawn. But the only people <laughs> that would respond, United mm -hmm. Way, there was no agency in the city. Uh -oh. We called them all. Woo. And it was who they called the dope boys. But I call our, our sons responding. That's right. And it created, soldiers. A, it created a different dynamic in that neighborhood because I'm now, sure. you know, the third and fourth day when I go by, I see Miss Mamie, she said, oh, oh, baby, don't worry. Peanut going to bring me my water. That's right. Thank you, You, you ain't even got to come back. He comes mm -hmm. every day on time. Wow. And it gave so him purpose. It gave him purpose, but mm -hmm. it gave our community a renewed visual that our children are still our children. There we go. You know, and so what I saw is a reconstitution of community, a reconstitution of love. Mm -hmm. And now that community, what they've done is internally created their own system of sharing. And so they everybody puts in anywhere from five to twenty dollars a month mm -hmm. to help the other community mm -hmm. members that may not be able to meet their bill be mm -hmm. able to cover it. Wow. So nobody gets cut off. Huh. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's that's, that's community powerful. power. That's beloved Detroit, baby. Yeah. Wait, well, <laughs> how about this? Just that just speak a little bit more because I'm really sick of that narrative that um it's two narratives one is that people don't want to pay their bill uh because they're buying tvs mm -mm. or whatever it is sneakers <laughs> that's the that's the i'm that's but y'all can you please speak to that Katrina, I'm, I'm the sneakers and the TV. purse are cheaper than the water 
Right. Think about it. It right. really is. But that's not what's happening. What we know in Detroit is the average Detroit, the medium income is what, 26000 Something like that. And yeah. you look at the average pension, the average pensioner salary was 19000 And this is before they took uh, over 5% of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they turned around and took 50% of their health care. Mm-hmm. And so you've got Detroiters that had actually not only stayed and paid, but they had built a nest egg that they should be able to draw down from right, right now. They are subsidizing these development contracts by Dan Gilbert and the yes. Illages. Mm-hmm. That's where this is being leveraged. This is they not they playing Monopoly with right. our grandparents and parents' money. Right. And so uh, what I always say to them is, no, this is not Detroiters not wanting to pay their bills. This mm-hmm. is Detroiters paying everybody else's bill Thank and you. not able to afford to pay their and bills. Then, Thank you. And then it, my my number one gripe is is. The rates are going up. That's right. And the system is not getting better. It's it I, I don't see new 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 uh new infrastructures. No. Right. My sewer, I've lived on this block since I was uh, yay high. My sewer system has been the same for 30 years. But what happened Goodness. in Macomb in one month? What? What happened in Macomb in one month? I, I have no idea. I, Macomb in in is, one month, Macomb had a water main break mm-hmm. that destroyed Maybe five or six houses. Uh oh. Now on the east side, we mm. had what over a hundred houses flooded, mm. and repeatedly flooded in mm-hmm. 2014. Mm. Then again in 2016. Mm. But the water main broke in Macomb, and in 30 days, sure. the whole water main was restored. Wow. wow. All of the patching was done, mm. and a new street was paved. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I see. But things like that I, and I'm they're just, part of yeah. our infrastructure yeah. mm. so what you're finding is money from Detroit that should be repairing and maintaining our system they have actually gone in and gutted the system uh. so you have fewer employees to maintain yeah. our mm. system while in out in the suburbs they are paying wholesale for water Detroiters pay retail, so wow. we're paying premium for our own water. Yeah. For the $50 million that w- that is annually paid to rent Detroit's system to Gliwa, Detroit mm-hmm. pays $17 million of that. Mm. So we're renters even of our own system. Yeah. And, that's, and it's so ridiculous. So when people say, you, you know, you're not paying, like... I mean, 2007 was not that long ago, and I'm basically paying what I used to pay. I'm paying like 80... I, I was surprised how much my last water bill was because I'm, you know, eighty dollars a mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not doing alligator slip and slide by the, <laughs> the corner of my house. You know what I'm saying? Not it's watering just me. your garden on that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just me. So it's it, and and the system is not getting better. I'm paying more for the same system and i you're not giving me the semantics that i knew that it was definitely more in the game right you know and more in the game meaning that someone is profiting from this oh, right but the sure. tragedy is they don't even want to put lipstick on a pig and mm-hmm. put a guy a, a black dude out there with a blue vest to act like he's you know <laughs> gonna put a new sewer top down or mm-hmm. something these the systems are staying the same mm-hmm. i think the the water main breaks that happen in the wintertime in Detroit. Frequently. I mean, you could, I can only imagine how many cars crash just because of, you know, you hit the wrong corner anywhere in Detroit. 
you you're gonna be on a sheet of ice. But you yeah. got the other thing that we have to take note of, and this is what they continue to try to use is the financial instruments of it. Right. You have fewer ratepayers in the city, so a system that was meant that's that's ridiculous. I, I hate that argument. I hate that argument. Wait, let me get the argument. Well, I'm just giving you the math of yeah, it, yeah. though. I don't agree with it because mm-hmm. to me the blanketed. Uh, the blanket of the whole issue is the human right to water. I right. think that's where we center water ourselves. Is but life. when you look at the system and the debt, you've got a, a system that was built for two million customers just yeah. in the city, mm-hmm. and then you've now reduced that down to what somewhere between six hundred eighty-eight to seven hundred eighteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And now, when you've made water so unaffordable and left the debt with Detroit, because the debt should have spread with right. the, the build out of the infrastructure. Right. So mm-hmm. when you leave the debt concentrated in Detroit. And you have fewer ratepayers. The more the rates go up, the the fewer people that can afford it means that for everybody else that still can pay, mm. their rates are going to go up. But you've got the city of Detroit actually sitting on uh, not only that debt, but we're continuing to accrue debt mm. because we've got an agreement under Judge Fikens of doing an eighty three seventeen split as it relates to the storm uh, to the uh, uh, the overflow, the uh, wastewater overflow. Mm. So we're paying for seventy eight municipalities 80% of the cost of processing their waste. Wow. And they pay 17%. So that to me right there, just that mathematical equation is unsustainable. Right. Yeah, It's it, going to drive us into a second bankruptcy. That issue alone. It's mm. it, so ridiculous because I, I know I'm paying and, and that argument, I hate that argument just on the strength of it's like don't want to be in a leadership position you understand the semantics of what's happening in Detroit. Detroit's quote unquote dwindling population. Like, okay. It's actually it growing. Like no, it's no, but I'm just saying the, the challenge of mm-hmm. at but two million at two million in like the right. nineteen basically as black people started moving into places and white people don't want to live near black people. <laughs> and really black people with money don't want to live near black right. people either. Right. That's so right. That's so right. as uh as that started happening. You, that's been I mean that's been a narrative for a long time mm-hmm. the population is swinging up but it I mean if it ever was something that's consistent is that Detroit is designed where 2 million people can't fit and it's somewhere between 600,000 and 800,000 so it is what it is don't be in a leadership position and present that argument don't even want to take on that problem if you don't have unique solutions to 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 addressing not just because I mean, because that same discussion is uh, as we talk about another issue in water that is big on my heart, because I know a lot of firemen, uh, fire people, I guess you say a lot of these fire hydrants don't work. That's right. Right. Sometimes they'll have to go, you know, four fire hydrants down. Gosh. But let's th- talk about why that is. Mm-hmm. They have they have taken certain fire hydrants offline because then for the homeowner, it puts you in a in a bigger risk in terms of your insurance coverage a lot of times you can't get coverage if you're not within a certain radius of access to a hydrant mm. so right now i've got a home girl that lives over near boston edison right over three streets over from boston edison they're getting ready to shut down the fire station near her house Whoa. which means she won't be able to get 
insurance on her family's home that's been in her family oh for four generations. Goodness. So these yeah. are drivers of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Water is being weaponized because you can live in Michigan without lights and gas and mm-hmm. still keep your children and not be threatened by DCS or anyone. Mm-hmm. But if you stay in that house for three days with those children without water, you're an imminent and immediate threat of getting them taken. Or if you have an elderly parent, you mm-hmm. immediately, they can take them and put them in state's custody. And the other thing that happens is they can immediately take and seize your property mm. for not having access to water. And go. so people have got to understand that the, the games and tactics that mm. are happening to move and herd us out of the city. Anywhere across mm. this country where land is adjacent to water, mm-hmm. white folks are repopulating those areas because they understand that water is scarce. And water is going to be the major issue of not only the rest of our lifetime, Mm -hmm. but our children's 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 lifetime. Mm. Right now, many of the banks that were a part of being protected during the bankruptcy Mm -hmm. are the same banks that are buying up the aquafillers around the globe. Mm. Some of the same players. The divorces are part of this privatization agenda of water. Whoever controls the water controls the people. And the thing that that stuck with me along with Charity and the assault on her was my mother is a a, a 25-year combat veteran. She served in the Persian Gulf. Wow. At 73 years old, she can still be called up by the U.S. Army because of her particular expertise. Mm. She's an expert at putting up a military hospital. like salt. Oh, 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 you're not ready. Look, <laughs> you got to look, do a movie look, on your mom. Y'all, right. y'all not ready. Right. I mean, this is she a woman. She was the original Wakanda oh, woman right. soldier. Oh, she probably stole her story. I'm telling you. Right. She, she is no joke. And so at 73, she can still be called up. But the first thing she said to me after I shared with her charity story and what was happening, she said, you do understand what's going on. And I said, no, you know, let me know. Break and she said, she said, you got to understand that shutting off water is an act of war. Whoa. And then she quoted me the articles of the Geneva Convention. <laughs> Woo. But you know what's so crazy about that? In that same vein, it's like, you know, you live in the hood your whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like hood stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Remember when the blackout, when was that year, the blackout? Uh, was that 94? No, 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 no. It was like, oh, was that like, oh, four? The blackout, it was like a three-day, that three-day. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> the water was out, the power went out, and immediately, because um, it's a it, it's a lot of us that, uh, as I say, that have been hired by the streets. And uh, one of my one of my one of the kids I grew up with, his father, um, he escaped from prison, made his way here with like huge fed charges mm. and to smoke him out because they thought he was in in this house they shut off all the power mm. to like my half of the block mm. so immediately when that when the blackout happened i was just thinking like oh man who done got out of jail oh, <laughs> and, then, wow. and then i went further up linwood and i was like oh okay it's not that deep but this is just but as you talk about that act of war like yeah. i didn't even know that like you know as a child this is like just something internalized that like okay if a big enough felon is aiding and abetting in a you know in a proximity you know it imminent domain as far as like what you think are the rules mm-hmm. oh yeah it, it, those rules go out the oh way. yeah for sure oh, for yeah. sure i mean if people know about hanson clark one of the only policies that hanson clark got passed when he was in congress congress was to make it a terrorist act to protest at a water treatment facility what hilarious but if people think about the timing of these things okay, mm-hmm. and then how they're now being leveraged. Yeah. I mean, you can't leave out the fact that Betsy DeVos's brother, Eric Prince, 
has actually trained uh, Dan Gilbert's security guards. Mm. Why would you need Blackwater mercenaries training your security guards Whoa. unless you're preparing to shut the people off from access to the riverfront? Whoa. Well, they do have that that security force. Down yeah, there. Mm-hmm. yeah. They have the the Gilbert security force. I know. Yeah, that, the uh, private military police. The, the Project Greenlight is mm-hmm. is Definitely. strongly like those cameras are as much as it's monitoring uh, for police safety mm-hmm. and uh, it's weird because it's almost like businesses paying for policing. And it's yeah, like, damn, it's I weird. gotta pay the service for police. So, right. but that that system is being monitored by mm-hmm. systems controlled by one of the other tech entities of Dan Gilbert. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So like all yeah. that all that data. Wait, can we talk is, about the systemic? So cuz you you have a book and I want to get the book in here. Tell us about your book that breaks down the systemic data that you were able to should we say you were able to teach young people how to collect this data mm-hmm. you were able to utilize the university as a resource to help support the project and the people uh were able to empower themselves and you were able to support the people empowering themselves that's right to be able to understand the systemic processes that had been in place and are currently in place to where the land was taken over, the schools were shut down, and what people were literally being uh, terrorized. Well, yeah. I really have to credit uh, uh, Mama Gwen Winston and uh, the legendary Dr. Gloria House, Mama Neb, as she's lovingly known by us. Uh, we were sitting down with, with Global Health and Henry Ford and also being reached out from all of these different universities to collaborate with them on research. But it was research they wanted to do. It wasn't research that we thought was pertinent to our communities. Mm-hmm. And so Mama Neb and Ma- Mama Gwen went with us to a couple of these meetings. And then once we left, uh, they l- both looked at us and said, why are we meeting with them? Mm. And we, you know, sort of shared that they had resources, they had access, and we wanted to leverage it. And she said, but we're minimizing our power and our access. And Mama and Neb is from um, SNCC. Oh, God, yeah. And, and uh, currently Freedom School. She is a walking, talking, uh, international SNCC, history book. Broadside right. Press. Broadside Press. Uh, uh, the Republic of New Africa. And, and, and she uh, helped develop the, the African Center Schools here in Detroit. Yes. So yes. just so people know who Mama oh, Neb, Dr. Gloria House is. If you don't Gloria know, you, is. you better Google the name. It's mm-hmm. one of those that, that you should know. Dr. You Gloria House. ought to have her information in your library. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same, I would say, about Mama Gwen Winston. If you're doing mm-hmm. any kind of nonprofit development work, uh, she's a person to help you stay centered, stay conscious mm-hmm. uh, in that work. And both of them challenged us to start the We the People research table so that we could own and control our data and mm. our research. And what we've done is actually gotten to the point where uh, we were noted by the U.S. Water Alliance as the best community research collaborative concept in the country mm. as it relates to water and engaging community. Okay. And so uh, we took the challenge on. Now we have 67 researchers from all over the country, right. ranging in every expertise you could think of, from economics to law to uh, water quality, water systems, the sociology of water, medical anthropology, 
um, I mean, it just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And they have they all come and lend their expertise, but the guidance comes from community and the community's questions that they need answered. Okay. And so one of the things we wanted to do is set the record re- uh, correct historically mm-hmm. that Detroiters had paid for the system. Okay. And then we wanted to make sure that we also made current historical facts uh, Mm -hmm. put on the record that many of the municipalities, the feeling that suburban nights have that they're being gouged is actually their own municipalities Mm. charging them anywhere from a hundred to a thousand percent markup. And then they allowed this very racialized narrative to stand that is Detroit gouging them. Right. And so we wanted to set those records straight so that we could build uh, across some of these bipartisan lines uh, because we recognize, especially in Michigan, we're going to need some of the folks that, that exist on the other side of the table a lot mm-hmm. of times. And what we recognize, too, is that even many of the folks that consider themselves to be progressive or liberals, uh, many of them have been uh, co-conspirators and uh, mm-hmm. co-collaborators with the destruction of Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's and a sensitive say, nerve. Amen. That's a sensitive nerve right there. Oh, is it sensitive? Yes. Oh, amen. I'm just saying in a, in a way like oh, okay. no, no, we, we can relate. We, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we agree. So I say all of that because a lot of times <laughs> when I, I watch with Dr. March with Dr. <laughs> King people. Oh, yeah. Woo! Oh, yeah. God, not yeah. marching with the people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we call that we call we call that out in every space because what I find over the last year, we went across the state of Michigan to try to build relationships and really taking a page out of the book of the Black Panthers. Mm. You know, when they went to West Virginia and these very white, poor communities mm-hmm. to talk about building solidarity. And so when we looked at that, what we found is that when we went on the west side of the state, uh People had been fed this misinformation, mm-hmm. and once you were able to give them the facts mm-hmm. and the fact that we had substantiated data, mm-hmm. it created monumental shifts in people's perception about this water issue. And so what we've got now, the majority of the water organizations across the state of Michigan are standing with us in support of a statewide water affordability plan. Okay. Freshwater Futures, uh, Michigan Legislative conser- uh, Conservation Voters, uh, you've got American Rivers, River Network, you've got uh, the National uh, 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 NRDC. I mean, there are some major heavy hitters that are now saying, we missed it on Flint. Mm-hmm. We were last to the party. Yes. What I found with funders is many times funders are are getting their information from the worst people right. to tell them about your community. Right. But what we do is we lump funders all together and just say all of those people are corrupt and crooked. Mm-hmm. And what I say is they got my money and I need my money to help my people. There we go. And so when I talk to funders, I say straight up to them, many of you were on the wrong side of the pension issue. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you it wasn't a grand bargain. It was a grand theft. There you go. So I don't mince words, but I also talk to them from the framework that we want to be the people in the room because of our God consciousness that give you an opportunity to embrace your humanity. Right. And your humanity should make a corrective action in this moment One as it hope. relates to water. Well, I believe it's happening because I believe what is happening is that we're not waiting for them to give us permission there we go. to drink from our own well. But right. but I, I do, uh, which, you know, people feel, I, I do think that, uh, that being progressive enough to have the platform and at a table that's evenly yoked 
at least open the door for the opportunity for whomever to join. The same way you open the door for people Mm -hmm. in the community to Mm -hmm. join. Mm -hmm. And they may say no now, Mm -hmm. but eventually they get with the program. I mean, what we're doing is shifting so many narratives of uh, economics and water is definitely becoming one of the most paramount resources uh, of, of really this generation. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, like you said, mm-hmm. so so with that, you know, it, it, it's it's going to uh, it's going to take some time, but it's good that that the 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 stance stands there. And as we talk about that, how do people support you? What 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 can people do if they want to join We the People? What should they do? Um, what what's the best way to get involved, get active? Um, what's needed? Well, a lot of times, at least just in terms of your own personal uh, understanding of your water, we suggest to to sort of go to the airplane model, put your mask on before you help somebody else put their mask on. Find out what's coming out of your tap. Okay. And so there are really cheap, inexpensive water test kits that you can get at Home Depot, mm-hmm. uh, at your local hardware store. If you're concerned about lead or if there's a smell, you know, it'll give you a baseline mm-hmm. in terms of what may be there. But if the test is for lead, it's only going to test for lead. Right. It's not going to test for bacteria or other heavy metals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are looking to do a second wave of our water testing project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will be putting out a call probably sometime between, uh, I would say, September and October, because usually that's right before uh, the pipes get cold and then they sort of slow up on water shutoffs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we are, you know, all out there on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We the people of Detroit. On Twitter, we're We the People DET. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other way to be able to get with us is if you have the ability, and we encourage people to do this on their own block, everybody should have enough water on hand in their households to maintain them and their family for three days. Hmm. How much water is that? Yeah, I don't even know. Well, right now what we're looking at is if it were uh, a person, one person for three days, they would need to probably have on average, I would say, about four cases per day, so at least twelve cases. And this of would, gallons. This is uh, or gallons. We mm-hmm. prefer gallons. And uh, uh, what we find for our elderly population, even shifting water around by the gallons mm-hmm. is a challenge because mm-hmm. a gallon of water mm-hmm. weighs eight point seven pounds. Right. Uh, so what we've done is we've broken it down where we give them so many gallons of water. As say, if it's for flushing, yeah, uh, or for cooking. If it, they need to do a wash-up, then yeah. the bottled water, you know, sort of becomes that answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing that I would say to folks is that if you have a church group, an organization, a club mm-hmm. that you're a part of, mm-hmm. setting up a water station somewhere if all everything fails, if everything goes down, that you have an emergency resource that you can walk to okay. because water is extremely heavy. Yeah. So trying to transport water becomes a challenge. Yeah. And then for us, we're constantly doing what we call water shifts. Okay. Moving Moving water throughout the city, we've got something. We've got a lineup for Dexter Amherst. I got a call from Mother Moore okay. saying we need water. Shouts Dexter, out to Mother Helen Dexter Moore. Amherst. <laughs> uh, we also have an opportunity to set up and and stock up over at um, at the Judge Mathis Center. Okay, uh, and he's been instrumental in getting water out in Detroit and Flint. Shouts out to Judge Mathis. Uh, we also have the ability. Northwestern, Northwestern we, High School. And we're working right now. We met today to create a kit 
that will help people understand how they can set up their own water relief system. Ooh. Because like you said, should everything be shut down? Mm -hmm. And what we believe is there are whole portions of the city that right. are going to be disconnected and shut down right. from access. Yeah. And knowing that, we shouldn't be waiting to see what happened. Because yeah. as we see in Flint, Flint now is adopting the We The People model okay. for delivering bottled water to each other because the governor has failed and been derelict in his duties and now is no longer even providing them relief water. And so what oh we God. see once again is self-determination and cooperative work are the models for how yeah. we're going to survive and move like forward it. collectively. Yeah, yeah. I like and it. the film, and you have a film. We do have a film called Bigger Than Water. Mm -hmm. uh, it was created with an amazing group of young people out of New York mm -hmm. uh, with the Justice League that are mentored by Harry Belafonte. Shouts out to the Justice League. Justice League. Woo -woo. Yeah, <laughs> and so they did a film. They came in to really just do a short 30-second uh, commercial for us mm -hmm. and ended up staying a month. Wow. <laughs> and from there, this film grew, and it's all the amazing activists in Flint. Okay. Uh, uh, they were down on the ground in the trenches. Shouts out and to the it's their own voices. It's their own perceptions about mm -hmm. what was happening. And then also just very quickly, we got a homegirl in Flint, uh, Juani Oliveres, yes. uh, who has worked with the Hispanic with the community and the immigration yeah. community. Mm -hmm. And she, her house was just set on fire what? in her car. Wow. Uh, as I was coming back from Portland, I got a frantic mm. call from her uh, where her, mm. she has been attacked and we believe it is somehow connected to this liberating work that she's doing. It is. And so, uh, Wani now, for those, she's got a GoFundMe page up. She's on Facebook. Can you spell her name? Her her name is San Juan, S-A-N, mm -hmm. Juan, J-U-A-N, okay. Oliveres, O-L-I-V-A-R-D-E-S. Okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, let's, uh. Let's flood that GoFundMe. Yeah. Let's give some money up. I'm oh, going to give some money goodness. up. Please do. Please mm -hmm. do. We we definitely mm -hmm. hit her up, and we're challenging everybody to do that. Uh, what we've learned from our elders, like uh, the Honorable Councilwoman Joanne Watson and Mama Neb and so many others, is that we have to be the first to step up to take care of our own community. That's right. And Wani's part of our family. She is. Uh, she's doing amazing work, and she's really holding it down in Flint for the immigration community. She is. Okay. She is. Um... And then your youth program. Oh, yeah. The, the babies. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. These amazing revolutionary leaders that are doing their work right now. They have three events coming up. We're asking all people that consider themselves to be part of this intergenerational work. Y'all woke folks. Yeah. We want you to come out on <laughs> June the 9th. Uh, we're all just so happy and giddy because they have invited us to party with them. Okay. Uh, so it's a multi-generational cookout and party that's going to happen on June the 9th. We also have a big event happening over at the Damon Keith Center. Okay, uh, shouts out to the Damon J. Keith Center. And the deal. The and deal. so part of that collective work is that <laughs> they are hosting on the 26th a gun uh, violence and all other violence convening. Okay. And it's a statewide convening. And then on the 19th over at the Cass Commons at hey, 1 o'clock. That's our people. It will be the first youth environmental justice forum between we the people youth and the ml uh vc okay and what's uh, dope about that is um you know in the city of detroit that has so many environmental crises that mm -hmm. the youth from that are impacted are leading this conference because usually when we talk about environmental issues we think about little white kids in the suburbs trying to save seals and whales and this is really powerful that young 
hood kids are gonna be out here like, yo, yeah. check it out. And, and we, leading this whole thing with data. Same too. With with data that they have actually <laughs> created. And I think and too, research they're doing. You also were able to host them along with some other young people to do GIS mapping that was really hot. Yeah. And so we've had some other convenings since then. And then we're looking at partnerships with some of our uh, institutions to bring a concept called a quirk, mm-hmm. which is a community water energy resource center. Mm-hmm. And what it will allow us to do is remediate the stormwater turn it into gray water for commercial use, mm-hmm. solids into uh, fertilizer, and then also the energy created will turn into electrical and thermal energy. You see that? And so we're not void of ideas. Scientists. And then actually still wanting people to understand we must have a water affordability plan in the to. city of Detroit and for the state of Michigan. We know by the year 2022 that 35% of America will not be able to afford their water. Whoa. Yeah. So That's wait, close. just oh, and real quick, we didn't. I just needed you to highlight what is the difference between the water affordability plan that you're talking about and the one that Duggan is talking about. Yeah, uh, uh, the administration and Mr. Brown's water affordability plan is not sustainable. What it says is that it's a water assistance plan, and water assistance says that if people are benevolent and want to give, and if there's money available, then we can help you. This so is the one the city's putting forward. This is what the city's putting forward. But what we are proposing is a water affordability plan, which is the the model that was uh, actually framed and introduced and built by Michigan Welfare Rights, and then Woo-woo. supported by uh, legislative leadership by Councilmember Watson Woo-woo. and Marianne Mahaffey. Oh my. God. And so through that leadership, we actually have a law on the books, but it has never been fully implemented. And so what we believe should happen is that there should be uh, people should be able to pay, especially for low income families Mm -hmm. that hit that federal guideline of falling between 150 percent to 200 percent of the poverty line, that those persons should be allowed to pay no more than 3.5 percent of their income to access water. Sound fair to me. And so what we know is that 40% of the city is living in poverty, mm-hmm. 60% of the households are headed up by single women of color, mm-hmm. and 70% of the people that work in the city don't live in the city. Okay. And so with that kind of financial drain, what you're going to see is you're going to constantly see people in imminent danger of not having access to water and sanitation. And what we're hearing from some of the sanitation workers that have actually contracted hepatitis, they believe they oh. contracted it from actually accessing or having contact with trash because people are discarding mm. their waste into the open trash containers Whoa. that are out on the city blocks. Oh my mm. goodness. And also defecating in abandoned houses where uh. therefore that waste is going into our groundwater. Oh and the God. reason that we're not supportive of Mr. Duggan's demolition tactics is mm-hmm. because of the asbestos and other chemicals and lead and old dated material that are in those homes. Right. He is choosing to tear those houses down and bury them into their Whoa. basements, which also means that those contaminants that's are terrible. leaching into our groundwater. But that's common sense. Why would you do that? Well, you do it when you have no regard for the people that have stayed and paid. Ah, Lee. You see why Mama Monica is one of my mentors? Yes. <laughs> she is definitely. She came in late. She laid hit it, it out down. the park. Yes. You got to yes. come back. I would yes. love to come back. It's, this is a, this is this a pressing is the highlight issue. of my day. That I yeah, got yeah. Gotta get, you her on you get you on Detroit is different. Gotta get you on Detroit is different. And this, 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 oh, that's gonna make me super hot. These, um, these di- Dipper and Piper. Come yeah, on. I mean, and these issues, they're they're ongoing. Yes, like we have are. to keep up with what's going on and the travesty, the nefariousness 
is just it it morphs. I said the other on the other podcast. It's like alien. It's like it's like as yeah. soon as you kill one monster, it's like it had a little piece of a tail left, and then it turned <laughs> into like yeah, a we're, bigger we're monster. Fighting, we're fighting. <laughs> we're fighting systems. Oh, it's the Hunger Games. It's the Hunger Games. We're fighting systems of greed that believe the only way to prosper is by oppressing others. So we're shifting narratives. Right. We're shifting belief systems. There we go. And it's comfort in those belief systems, mm-hmm. even from some of the oppressed that are in these be- in. In these systems. Mm-hmm. So the forward thinking, the organization also brings about relationships like this. Yeah. So um I'm 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 definitely on a we gon we gon we the the, the righteousness shall prosper. There we yes. go. All right. The now. righteous. That feels like a little church right there. <laughs> righteous like a little church. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. This is good too. This is how I'm coming into Ramadan tonight. Oh, I see. Hopefully early in the morning. I gotta I wait for the moon. But shouts out to everyone that's um that's that's that's, that's practicing and celebrating Ramadan. Much love. You know. Much uh love. and even though Trump thinks he uh he thinks he declared <laughs> <laughs> what did he think? He he's like, Hey guys, guess <laughs> what? Uh I got a new a new capital for you. Jerusalem. <laughs> it's like really dude, like it really like your white ass is <laughs> declaring the capital. You really think that's not Palestine no more? These people are crazy, yo. The right, the right is nuts. Um, you know. One of the things we <laughs> found out about our brothers and sisters in Palestine, we did a project uh, where we hosted some conversations with El Hajj, which is the largest nonprofit, longest standing nonprofit in Palestine. Mm-hmm. And what they shared with us when they looked at the language for shutting off water and some of the legal arguments during the bankruptcy, yeah. much of that language is the same language that was used in Palestine to begin the process of shutting them off from their water. Wow. Because the water source that actually Israel takes advantage of mm-hmm. is actually uh, on property and is the water source that is really supposedly owned by Palestine. And so even mm-hmm. even the, even the language... There were so many similarities. So we've been talking for the last year and a half about doing a coordinated project that looks at Detroit, Flint, Baltimore, and I think we said Oakland mm. and Palestine in mm. terms of, of these. Uh, because what we saw was similarities in terms of police violence, mm-hmm. water shutoffs, mm. and uh and displacement. Mm. And so that's what's been driving our research is we're looking at education, mm-hmm. the dismantlement of education, the dismantlement of neighborhoods by shutting off water and then land. And if people get a chance, go and check out this research that's on a website called illegalforeclosures.org. Foreclosures with an S. illegalforeclosures.org. What you'll find is from 2009 until 2015, over 100,000 households were illegally foreclosed on in the city of Detroit. And Mr. Duggan is continuing this practice. Mm. And what they're doing is for the low-income homeowners, they're marking up and assessing their homes at over 80 to 90% of market value. Mm. And the state constitution says that you can't charge taxes for more than 50% of the market value Mm. of those homes. Mm. So for poor folks, you've got people in certain neighborhoods paying anywhere from three dollars to $4,000 in taxes when they actually shouldn't be paying any taxes at all. Wow. And how can they, how can people that should not be paying taxes or should be paying less taxes or that should be reassessed, how 
can those people access that information so they can empower themselves? Yes, the, they can go to the website illegalforeclosures.org. Mm-hmm. They can also uh, contact um, uh, Marilyn Mullane and Ted Phillips at the, gosh, what is the name? Oh, gosh, it's escaped me. I could give you the name for them. You're going to give, okay, we'll it, put it the on. The Housing Coalition. Housing Coalition? Yes. Okay. And so uh, those are two places where I know that they can get some support. Mm-hmm. And then there's also going to be groups of clinics set up around the city to start helping people mm-hmm. fill these forms out because the city has been derelict in its duties in terms of getting this information out. Okay. And then, of course, capacity, once we went under emergency management, mm-hmm. became an issue in terms of managing uh, getting the form out to people. So even with us getting the information out, we didn't have the capacity to actually get everybody processed. Okay. And so what we're asking people to do now is get the information out earlier and then get people to the locations to get help sooner. Okay. But yeah, this is another thing that's pushing us out of the city is moving us from homeowners to mm-hmm. renters and then right. some not being able to access home uh, housing at all. Right. Man, you just came and dropped so many jewels. Um, I think that's all of my questions for now. We got to bring you back. We got to follow up mm-hmm. and see what um where we are. Hopefully people access this information. Please share this information with people. Um let people know, you know, where they can get support. We the people of Detroit um is out here in these streets handling business mm-hmm. like Jeezy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, I think that's it We'll be back next week With another podcast Yep Thank you Thank you you, Monica Thank you you so much Whose water? Our water Our water Smooth beans gonna make a real funky for you 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 Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter Podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Piper Carter Podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter.